Well, good morning or whatever time it is for you that you're uh, listening to this. We're having a great time over here. Scott <laughs> Scott was jamming out. He was, and, and it just reminded me when he was little. <laughs> oh, like, seriously, he was my one that would be dancing all the time in his cowboy boots and red shorts. Mm-hmm. That was for you, John McDaniels, because we used to talk about that. You had your red shorts and black cowboy boots. Well, welcome to Real World Podcast. My name's Tyler, and uh, I'm here with Scott and Bobby, uh, who talk about real issues in a real world, bridging the gap between boomer and millennial. Good morning, guys. Morning. morning. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm on my uh, uh, second, third, third and a half cup of coffee right now. (laughs) So I'm feeling better and better as the morning goes on. Uh, How are you guys doing? Good. Good. What's happening? I'm I'm doing good. I mean... um, I don't know by the time this comes out or not, but like the, oh, this will for sure come out after, but church is starting back up. Yes. Yeah. Just cool. That. I'm excited for that. At the same time, our numbers for COVID-19 are high. And so, I mean. You mean for California? For, for California and other states. I mean, there's a number of states. Now we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just flatten the curve, but it was, you know. Um, well, it was flatten the curve in that people are still going to get sick with this. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I think some it was people flatten thought. flatten the curve, not abolish the curve. Right. <laughs> and I think that's what happened. Some people feel like, oh, it should have been abolished by now, so we shouldn't be coming back. And then I think about with, like, we had record number of cases in California like two days ago. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, are they going to go back and we're not going to get together as a church? Are they going to go back and say, sorry, we, we need so, to change it. Interesting thing that I think it was New Zealand or Australia, um, put into effect because of some advice they got from some doctors. I don't know. Uh, but they're going to a two on two off model, two mm-hmm. weeks where everything shut down, two weeks where everything's open, two weeks where everything shut down. Two weeks, everything's open. And so essentially what you're doing is you're you're creating herd immunity by staggering exposure. So mm. like in, in those two weeks, a lot of people are going to be exposed and get sick. And then, and then in those two, those two, in weeks. Those two yeah. weeks, you bring... That's an interesting concept. Very interesting. I kind of like it. I do too. I do too. I mean, Ooh, it's... I like anything different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I am just that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard which country it was, but I would guess that's New Zealand. Mm. Uh, New Zealand is uh, a very uh, socialistic government. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that sounds like something that they would have. It actually makes sense though. Yeah. Oh, it does make sense. But I'm just saying that that sounds like something like that they would say rather than in very capitalistic, like we're in mm-hmm. where it's like, just open it up, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. open it up. We got to care for the big banks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Think about their rights. <laughs> well, you know, okay, let me, <laughs> okay, let me, okay. This is kind of funny, but it kind of in line with that. So, you know, like we, we locked in at three and a half percent, which we were like, we're really happy with for your mortgage, for our mortgage, yeah. for our new house, which we're like, you know, really happy with, but we can have one float down. So basically <laughs> the lower the, basically the reason, because the rates are so low as it is, the only way it's going to go much lower is if there's like, um, another, another crisis. Yeah. Another crisis. So you and selfishly so- <laughs> wanted all the shut down. <laughs> How dare you? Like, no. Dad and I are like, we're, we're, 
feeling kind of guilty. We want we don't want anybody to die. But we, we wouldn't mind it. No, we're just kidding. I mean, yeah. but it's kind of ir- ironic that you had just oh, mentioned yeah. the banks and yeah. and it really is tied to that though, it is. which is yeah, it is. pretty amazing. No, yeah. we really don't want anybody else to get sick. No, no. Of course not. But we're really happy with what we have. So, right. if we can get a lower interest rate, we'd be happy with it. Yeah, even better. Yeah. Uh I I think though it it is it is worth I think even us just saying and and just reminding ourselves that that more people are going to get sick. Yes. Yep. Unfortunately. And that's just going to have to happen no matter what. And so we need to uh we need to uh continue to be patient with uh some of these initiatives to flatten curves so that there's not a rush on Mm -hmm. hospitals, but we also just need to understand that everyone's going to have to get sick. Well, and, and two different, um, uh, friends on Facebook this week posted and one of them, uh, Matt, uh, posted that a friend that, uh, guy that he works with young, healthy, one day he's fine. Next day he gets very ill temperature Mm. for 105, they called 911, took him to the hospital, and the doctor said if he hadn't come in, he would have died. Mm. And, like, he was fine the day before. Yeah. And he ended up with COVID-19, and I think he's doing better, and he's okay. Um, and then the other person was so upset that they had to wear masks again. Mm. And I'm thinking, you know, I, you know, I really dislike wearing a mask. I, I truly do. I feel like I can't breathe, whatever. But it's kind of like suck it up when you're in a public place. Yeah. It's just, I have no problem with doing that, you know? And it's like, as much as I don't like it, like when I go to the dentist, I struggle with them taking x-rays because I gag, you know, I just, I feel like I can't breathe. Right. So it's like, I really don't like the masks, but again, it's for other people. Yeah. And you just have to kind of look beyond that. Now, you know, when you're outside walking or whatever, that's a real challenge. When dad and I walked one time with masks mm-hmm. on, that was really hard. I didn't like that at all. Well, the good news is uh, in California, you are exempt from wearing yes. a mask if you're engaging in exercise, uh, like yes. a physical exactly. activity. Right. So long as you're doing your best to avoid. We're still staying distant exactly. from other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and we took the kids to the beach yesterday. And, you know, as the day progressed, I mean, we went early and we left a little after lunchtime and more and more people were coming, but people did a really good job of probably everybody was at least 20, 30 feet apart. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was really impressed mm. with how everybody handled it. But again, I think in California, I think we tend to get it. You know, we yeah. talked before in our last, um, some, some, well, I agree, but I'm just saying overall people culture, yes, culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think we get it. I think we do. Yeah. I think, uh, what was it that I, I heard not too long ago that California was the most successful percentage wise, percentage yeah. wise, mm-hmm. uh, up to this point, up to this point. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me based on what I'm seeing out in, you know, my little corner of California is that it's like, yeah, for the most part, people are just being, conscious and respectful mm-hmm. and not being, uh, you know, militant toward, uh, toward each other. It was a little unfair though. Cause Wyoming only has three people. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, in, Total. In, yeah. In, a, in, in the little, whole state. Yeah. So one shower. of them got six. It, it was a 33%. It's <laughs> the governor, the Lieutenant governor and the state Senator. Yeah. Those are the only people. Yeah. When a little shout out to our last podcast, when we were talking about goodness and kindness, I think it's good and it's kind to wear a mask. Yeah. I yeah. Oh, for sure. I yeah. think so. I think so too. Well, let's, uh, let's jump into our, uh, core conversation. 
Let's do it. Uh, so we're going to be talking today. <laughs> Bobby's like, <laughs> she's putting on the boxing gloves. Yes, because this is our first time in a while where we're kind of getting back up, to a more political yes, issue. Getting back to more political issue. And yeah, I, I mean, seriously, as we've said before, we don't really discuss these things beforehand. So we're not really sure right. how each other, you know, what our perspectives are on mm-hmm. these topics. So I really don't even know whether we're going to have. Yeah. I don't know. I, we could think alike or very different. I'll, I'll tell my opinion as soon as Tyler tells us what the topic is. <laughs> <laughs> that that quick, huh? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're just coming right, coming right out the gate. Uh, so our core conversation today is going to be uh, the separation of church and state. Uh, and so to talk about this issue, I felt like it would be uh, good for us to kind of uh, answer a few questions. The first is, uh, what is that? ideology, that doctrine, uh, and, and where did it come from? Uh, what was, what was its Genesis? And then how has that changed, uh, over time and, and specifically even within our lifetime, how is the, the understanding of that doctrine changed over time? And then, uh, the last thing is, uh, how we as Christians should respond uh, to that and and maybe even specifically how should we as Christians engage politically uh, understanding the, the the separation between church and state mm-hmm. um, because you know I think that we all agree that Christians can and should engage in in mm-hmm. being in, in civil servants being civil servants absolutely yeah. like definitely was one but, for many years yeah absolutely <laughs> But but how? Uh, and I don't, I don't even mean just civil servants, but be- engaging in our civic duty sure, of yeah. voting. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All Christians should be voting. Yes, yep. yes. Uh, but but how does this ideology influence that for I us? I mean, as all people that live in a place should vote, for that matter. Like if yeah, you're but, living in a place and you have the ability to vote, you should vote. Oh yeah, yes, of yeah. course. Um, but I I think that since we're talking about separation of church and state, yeah, yep. yeah that's 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 the reason for my distinction there. So, uh, a little bit of, uh, what the separation of church and state is and where it came from. I'm just going to speak real quickly to this. I mean, Tyler's our history buff for yeah, those so, of you who don't yeah. know. So go he's going to, he's yeah. going to give us some of the, uh, Genesis. Yeah. So, uh, the separation of church and state, a lot of people misidentify that as being from the constitution. Um, a lot of people, uh, will say that in the constitution, there's a separation of church and state. That's not sp- Strictly speaking, true. Uh, in the First Amendment of the Constitution, uh, there is what's like commonly referred to as the Establishment Clause, which says that Congress shall make no law is establishing a religion. Uh, and the reason for this is that uh, in Britain, the church is uh, a state-run church. It's the Anglican Church. And so they were coming from a culture where their king was also their uh, highest religious leader. And so uh, they wanted to absolutely separate those two things. Uh, and it, it, was a, it was in response to, to the king and the Anglican church. Now, the, the phrase separation of church and state comes from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote uh, to uh, the... Danbury Baptist Association of Connecticut. So the Danbury Baptist Association of Connecticut were a religious minority in the state of Connecticut. Most of the most of the state of Connecticut at the time was, I believe, Methodist. 
And so the Danbury Baptist Association felt a little slighted by their state, by the state of Connecticut, uh, in their particular exercise of their, you know, religious uh, practices Mm -hmm. because it was so different from everyone else in that state. And they wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson, essentially praising him for his previous work in religious freedom, which they were referring back to uh, a piece of of legislature that Jefferson had passed called the uh, Virginia Equal... Uh, Virginia liberty, religious liberty. Bobby, I think you have it in front of you what it was specifically called. Virginia rights of religious liberty. The 1786 Virginia statute for religious freedom. Okay. I was beating all around the bush on that. (laughs) The Virginia (laughs) statute for religious freedom. Thomas Jefferson had uh, passed, had had presided over and wrote and and ratified this law in Virginia that essentially said that... uh, that government cannot prescribe religion. Uh, and, and he had this very fundamental belief uh, that went into this, that, uh, that religion was inherently tied to morality and morality inherently tied to, con- to, to your conscience. I, I almost said consciousness. It's mm-hmm. going to be hard for me to not misspeak that. Your conscience and uh, Jefferson and James Madison and many of our founding fathers who were influenced by the French Enlightenment period, John Locke and some of these people in France, believed very strongly that your conscience was your personal property and therefore needed to be protected. And uh, Madison even said that, that, the, that your conscience is the most sacred of your personal property. And so uh, Jefferson passed this law that said that uh, government cannot uh, and should not, he sort of ends it with, obviously laws can change, like the law says, laws can change at any time and anyone who comes after us can decide to change this, but we think that that would be a bad idea because we believe that this is a fundamental human right, is the right to worship who, how, when you want, or if you want to. That's that's one of the, the clauses that Jefferson wrote into this law. Mm-hmm. And so the Danbury Baptists write this letter to Jefferson saying, we want you to uh, take care of our, uh, take care of our rights. And as the new president, speak to our state legislature uh, about how we're being treated. And Jefferson writes a letter back very politely, but essentially saying, I don't believe it's my place at all to say anything about religious expression or to prescribe any form religious expression one way or the other. And uh, in a part of his letter back uh, that he bracketed for removal, um, uh, but you know, in the library of Congress, we have the <laughs> words bracketed for removal. There was a middle paragraph where he talked about how he Uh, that was the reason why he refused to hold, um, things like in, in our modern context, things like a national day of prayer. Jefferson never did that. Like George Washington, John Adams, they had both had, um, national days of prayer, national days of fasting, national days of Thanksgiving to God, uh, where they told the, you know, the, the people this, we're all going to do this together. Jefferson believed that that was 
totally inappropriate. And so in this letter, he says that uh, there is a, based on his reading of the con- of, of the Constitution, specifically the First Amendment, that there is a wall of separation between the church and state. And so that's where we've gotten that phrase from, separation of church and state. But essentially the genesis of this for both James Madison, who wrote the First Amendment, and for Thomas Jefferson, who wrote this piece of legislature uh, that influenced the First Amendment, the heart was that government cannot legislate conscience. And that uh, if Scott decides to worship God on Sundays, that's between him and God. If I decide to worship God on Saturdays, uh, that's between me and God. And I'm not saying any of this is true and uh, I'm not picking on you, Bobby. But Bobby decides to never worship God. How dare you? (laughs) Untrue. Untrue. That's that's between her and I'll I'll change it. You're you're on Sunday. You're on Saturday. (laughs) I decide to never worship God. Wow. Thank you. I feel better now. (laughs) That's between me and God and it's a matter of my conscience and that uh, no one person can impose their conscience on me and that therefore government cannot impose its collective conscience on me. So that's the, the, the origin, the genesis of the separation between church and state. Um, and like I said, it's been, it's been stolen by both sides. It <laughs> cracks me up when people say, uh, Oh, separation of church and state means that, uh, you know, uh, Christians can't be in politics or something like that. It's like, that's ridiculous. It also cracks me up when people say, uh, well, our founding fathers uh, built this as a Christian nation uh, because it's like in the very framework is it's not. Yeah. Like that's the, the very uh, that first the, thing. The very first thing is on. that it's like, like, also, we're not establishing anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it was very clear. Even, you know, uh, the treaty, the treaty of Tripoli, um, which was uh, ratified just five years after the First Amendment was ratified. Uh, George Washington had commissioned it to be written, and John Adams ratified this Treaty of Tripoli that uh, one of the paragraphs starts off that, as America is not in any way a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. Like it was like they were like the founding fathers were very clear, not mm-hmm. a Christian nation. So people who say, oh, separation of church and state, all of that is that America is a Christian nation. It's like, yeah. I don't, I and don't that's get all in the 1700s still. Yeah. 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 It was literally five years later. Yeah. Uh, so that's where church and state came from. How have we seen that evolve over time and even specifically in our lifetime? Well, you have more life to speak from. Wow. Well, <clears throat> the first thing that comes to mind for me is where, when I was growing up, I recall um, my parents always saying, never discuss religion or politics. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. With anyone. Right. Like, you, it's like, you don't even discuss them in your own family. Yeah. And look what we're doing. Well, right? it was, you it, know, now <laughs> we're discussing them and sharing it with everyone. <laughs> That's right. So it, in your family, it was separation of church and state in that, like, we're separating church and state from everything else. Yeah. In life. <laughs> like you separate church and state are over here. <laughs> everything else is over here. Oh, goodness. So as you were, um, as you were speaking, uh, Tyler, you know, the first thought to my mind was what is religion? 
Yeah. You know, yeah. because the, the act of not believing in an um, superior being, yeah. that in and of itself can constitute a religion. Yes. Right? So if we look at the definition of religion, it's the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal, excuse me, a personal God or gods. So I'm just thinking about what's currently happening in Seattle with this chop. Is that a religion? I would say that a religion uh, is specifically a system of beliefs about higher power. So higher power has to be part of it. Well, it's a system of beliefs about higher power. So that system of beliefs may say that there is no higher power or that the higher power is the cosmos or that the higher, Mm -hmm. but, but it's, it's a system of beliefs about higher higher power. power. Um, gosh, I, I don't even remember what the original question was, but I know that just as far as my experience in dealing with the separation of church and state, um, as a child, we prayed in school. Right. You right. Know? I don't remember what year it was, but by the time I got to high school, um, that didn't happen anymore. Then we had a moment of silence for a while. Yeah. Which there was no prayer. when I was in elementary school, we absolutely prayed. Like mm-hmm. it was a prayer over the intercom system mm-hmm. that someone prayed out loud. And um, then in my role working as a county administrator, um, you know, there was prayer before every board meeting. Now, what you couldn't do is mention Jesus. Mm-hmm. Or, you couldn't specify like who God was. Right. Yeah. But you would um, end it in his name or mm-hmm. just amen or whatever. So it's kind of always been ever present. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, I mean, I grew up in public school, but again, I grew up in the 60s and 70s in school. So that was a very different time right. than it is now. So when I see now, when I think about like the public school system where, you know, like they can't call it Christmas and, you know, like they've removed Christ from everything. And I get that with respect to the law, but at the same time, at what point does the culture, you know, like where does that intersect? Mm-hmm. You know, um, because I think some things in how we, when, when we think about like, I can see it as far as um, like uh, when I'm talking about um, the Christmas in a public school system, if they were going to have a nativity set. Okay. I understand that that's very Christian and that that wouldn't be appropriate, but Christmas trees and Santa Claus, and right. all that, that's very yeah. cultural. It's more cultural than it, it is. is religious. And it's just, yeah. we call it Christmas, but it really is very secular, very yeah. cultural. Yeah. So. Well, I, and it's one thing to say like happy holidays versus like changing the name of a specific thing. Like the Christmas tree was for Christmas. Right. It wasn't for any of the other holidays. Right. And so like, I have no problem with happy holidays, like enjoy your holiday break, like all that kind of stuff. Right. Cause there are lots of holidays around that time. Yeah. It sure. could be Kwanzaa. It could be pass or, uh, uh, um, uh, wow. Uh, Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Right. I, I, I had to pass over. I had I Passover like, okay, stuck in my yeah, head. Yeah. It could be Hanukkah. It could be Kwanzaa. It could be Christmas. They all happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. Well, you know, and we've kind of gone through this period of time, you know, maybe like 10 years or so ago, there were this, this real effort to remove Christmas 
from all oh, the yeah. retail stores oh, and everything. Huge like, effort. They could not say it to oh, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. But I've seen that reverse. Yeah. And over the last couple of years, I've had many people in retail stores say Merry Christmas. I mean, yeah. workers and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, please just allow it all. You know what? Yeah. If they feel yeah. more comfortable saying Happy Holidays, fine. If they want to say Happy Hanukkah, I'll say Happy Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. They want to say Merry Christmas, say Merry Christmas. Yeah, so, I think whoever initiates yes, can exactly. say whatever well, they're. Absolutely. I think there's a little bit too much too much um, being offended on on yes. all sides. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of that going on right now that we're all yeah. offended about everything. Yeah. yeah, it's like if someone tells me Happy Hanukkah. I'll but say thank you. Yeah, yeah sure. like, exactly. They, I mean, it's like, why like, would oh, you they're be offended Jewish. That's by cool. that? Like, yeah, thank you. Exactly. I appreciate that. Not, it's Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> right? And we've all heard that before. Uh-huh. And it's like... Mm. I I genuinely like wish that... Because uh, it's never happened to me before. But I genuinely... I, I would love genuinely for someone to wish me a happy Kwanzaa. I would love to wish them a happy Kwanzaa back. Absolutely. I know. But Absolutely. it's never happened. Like. Right. Uh, and it's and, along the lines of people that are like, this is America. You need to speak English. <laughs> speak American. Yeah. It's like, okay, psycho. <laughs> well, I, th- <laughs> I, I think oh. that, uh, I think that there is, uh, something to that, 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 uh, because now we're talking a little bit about separation between church and culture rather mm-hmm. than church mm-hmm. and state. Right. But I think that there's something to that because I think that to your point, we've just become more and more and more uh, triggered. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's just on a hair trigger. Mm-hmm. Like we're looking for ways to be offended. And right. It's like, right. just overlook that. That would be a funny you know? bit, by the way. We should make a sketch. <laughs> a separation of church and culture. No, bit. no, 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 no. Of uh, just looking for ways to be offended. Looking oh, for okay. ways to be offended. Yeah. It, it really does. It's kind of a neat tagline, right? Looking for ways to be offended. Yeah. But, uh, but how, uh, so Bobby, you mentioned, uh, you know, praying in schools when you were younger, how have you seen, uh, like, did you experience personally that shift of like, oh, this isn't happening anymore? Or did it happen after you had already been out of school? It happened after I went out of school. I mean, I, I noticed the shift that where we just weren't doing it anymore, but frankly, as children, that wasn't. Honestly, that wasn't a big part of our day. That's not what we thought of when we went to school was prayer, yeah. which lasted two minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was about learning. And I mean, that was our focus. And right. so I really never gave it too much thought. Well, and I get the removal of like either Absolutely. have a, have a time for yeah. every religion to exercise something right, or have no time. Right. Well, and let me just say this. Like, don't like, okay, Christians, you guys get to pray. Everyone else. Well, engage with this. And and when we talk about the constitution specifically and, and, and making no law to us to establish a religion, the, uh, the heart of that law is that, uh, it, it, there's a, another doctrine, I think it's called accommodationalism or a company. It's not, uh, it might be unfamiliar. Anyway, Mm -hmm. there's a, 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 a doctrine that says that, uh, government, uh, can, come alongside and endorse a religious practice so long as it's not to the exclusion of any others. Yeah. And, and so what I was going to say to when, when you said that, Scott, you know, the decision to send you and your brothers to private Christian school mm-hmm. was because we wanted that support. I'll say, yeah. I want to say I prayed in school. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you probably prayed in every class. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity for you to be able to do that. I didn't have that opportunity. Your dad didn't, at least for most of his years in school. 
And to me, it, it just made me feel more comfortable with where you were going, that, that our values were aligned. Mm-hmm. I was really concerned about the public school system with how far removed, again, from everything that I had heard, how far removed from how it was when I was a child. Sure. That I just, I was concerned about it with me working mm-hmm. full time. I didn't want to have to come home and undo everything that you had learned. Right. You know, and have to constantly, I wanted to, for you to go to a school yeah. that supported our values. And so that's why you went to private Christian school mm-hmm. so that you could pray because we were Christians. Well, and the, the whole public school system is, it's just, and this is completely off topic, so maybe I shouldn't even say it, but like, it's uh, a form of uh, socialism too, like within our own context, like it's, paid for by taxes and everyone can and should go and like, and so it's just kind of funny that well, and is required to by law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No child left behind. Mm Yeah. And so it's like funny how like we talk about like socialism, like anti we're anti, like there's a whole group that's very anti-socialist and like socialism doesn't work. And it's like, okay, well there's bits and pieces of it that are good and we actually use. Well, except I, I'm, I'm certainly a, a supporter of freedom of choice for schools. So um, and mm. where, where, what do you, what do you mean by that? Can you, sure. On that? When, when you talk about like the inner city, um, public schools and so forth, where, you know, like they don't get enough funding, right. they don't get maybe the best teachers and yeah. everything, um, that you have the choice to send your child to a different school. Mm. Gotcha. Right? Where gotcha. so many haven't supported that outside of districting. Unfortunately, yeah. there's still a little capitalism within our socialism. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. true. Yeah, when all you said that, I was like, be, well, all schools should be funded the same. Yeah. yeah. They should be, and they should all be consistent, but, but that's just not reality. Yeah. You it's know, not like right if now. I'm a teacher and I have the chance to go to a really nice area yeah, or, you know, inner city, I can understand the choice to go to the nice area. And it, again, it's one for safety. Sure. You know, because I've known people that have gone and, uh, you know, that work inner city LA and that like, there was real issues there. Yeah. Right? And um, in, in terms of safety, getting back and forth the classroom. Yeah. Like literally. Sure. And, um, and, and really it comes down to more than anything. And this, you know, I have friends that are public school teachers, friends that are private school teachers. It's parental involvement. Yeah. When you're paying for your children to go to a private school, you're generally going to be more involved because you're paying for it. Right. You know, directly. So many of my friends that are public school teachers, there's such a lack of parental involvement yeah. by so many today, comparative to even 10, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like it has changed so much for them that it's been very discouraging for them. And um, I, again, I don't understand why they look at this gift horse in the mouth. Like, you know, you have this free education. Why are you not taking advantage of that free education? Yeah. You know, and you know, as far as the availability of great classes and things like that, the public school system is the way to go. I mean, you know, you get some of these high schools. I mean, they just do an amazing job of, yeah. of what they teach and how they teach it. Well, and, and I mean, like our high school that we went to now only offers Spanish, right. which Spanish is great. And we're in Southern California. Right. Spanish makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I know some friends in high school that had choices of like 11 different languages. Right, they right. Choose from. Yeah, right. and you guys all had when you went. You took French. I took Jake French. Took Greek. Yep. Brian took um, Spanish. Brian took Spanish. Um, you but took that's German. because Dad I took, took German. Latin. Dad took Latin. So five of us in oh. our family, we all took five different languages. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, I I think that we're getting a little off topic. Off of this episode, uh, so yeah. 
but um, I'm good at that. <laughs> yeah, but I do think that schools are a big part of the of mm-hmm. the discussion yeah. of the separation between mm-hmm. church and state. Um, Scott, you had mentioned before we started recording another one that we've mm-hmm. experienced in our lifetime. Yeah, uh, we were we were talking about Prop Eight, uh, which came out in two thousand and seven or eight. Yeah, sometime between seven and nine. I really don't yeah. remember when. And uh, it was the California proposition to uh, either legalize gay marriage or prohibit gay marriage. I don't remember what it was. Well, it, it yeah, I mean, legalize or prohibit sounds. Uh, I don't remember if like what the affirmative was is what I'm saying. Uh, it, the affirmative was to disallow. So if you voted yes, you were saying you don't want. Correct. Got it. Um, so uh, it was the, a... a the, the main reason why I remember that, to be honest, was the campaign No on Hate. Ah, got it. No on Hate. Yep. They just put an H in front of the eight. And I mean, so, that's some good... Uh, that was some great... Good marketing. That was right some there. great marketing. That yeah. was a good campaign. I mean, it stuck with me all these years, so... And, um, yeah, I remember it being a big issue that the church talked about a lot. Um, and I remember hearing different reasons why. And... Uh, I'll talk about kind of like the issue and then I'll kind of kind of talk about just my opinions on things. Sure. But, um, I believe it passed, right? It prop eight passed and then the Supreme court of California overruled it. Well, yeah, you have to kind of understand what was happening during this time. Um, this is one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of governor Newsom. Governor Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco and he took it upon himself. And I don't remember the year. I want to say it was probably 2015, somewhere around there where he allowed um, gay couples to come in and um, obtain marriage licenses and get married without one. It wasn't the will of the people and there was no, there was no legislation or no bills that were passed to allow that. He, he did it as the mayor of San Francisco. It caused a lot of upheaval. I was the County administrator over that particular area during this time we had so much upheaval. We had, um, it was, it was just quite challenging. I don't even need to go into all the details, but you know, my issue was how it was done. It's like, I'm not a big fan of these executive orders. I think they, you know, unless there's like real safety issues where there needs to be urgent, immediate action, I just don't think they should be allowed, you know, whether it's a governor or president of the United States. Um, this is where the people, need to vote and the legislators need to act Yeah, and they need to pass the laws. It's not about the act itself. It was how it was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, this, this topic in particular was, is one where, um, I wish our country would have dealt with it very differently. I don't know if the government should be regulating marriage at all. I think it's marriage in itself is a strictly religious thing. Um, and so I think it's, it's very fine with all the tax things that come with marriage, that kind of stuff to have, um, there still be civil unions, um, and the government can regulate civil unions. And if a married couple wants to have those tax breaks, they need to also go into and get this civil union done. But I think marriage should be in the religious realm and then the state should have their own thing. I don't think they should be combined. And, um, I think it would just save a lot of the heartache and a lot of the the difficulties that come with it. And so uh, a big reason why I know 
the church was uh, for Proposition 8 was they were afraid of the repercussions of down the road. Um, someone who is in the LGBTQ community comes and wants to get married. And of course it's against their religion. And now they're, they could be looking at a lawsuit or they could be getting told they have to do weddings of four people that are. And so there's all kinds of stuff that happen with it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if we take away all state benefit from a marriage, marriage is strictly something that's just religious, which is how it was established when God created Adam and Eve and he brought them together. Like at the very first marriage, keep marriage in religion. And then our state, our government can have their own thing that they can still do. Like with, you, you call it a household or whatever that yeah. your or point civil is union. I mean, civil, I think union. civil union. Your point is, is your point is change the, change the, the, the nomenclature, change the verbiage, and it mm-hmm. alleviates a lot yep. of the... Correct. Yeah. Well, let me just say, um, so back when all of this was happening in 2015, a lot of people thought that. Like, But the the LBGT community did not want that. They wanted it to be called a marriage. Like, They were against the use of just the term civil union because they felt that was not equal. Well, and they and wanted the equality. Well, it's because of the 300 years or 200 years past we've always called it marriage and so there is a lot of just but this is what we like it would have felt that way sure that's why i'm saying i think i wish from the beginning we we would have kept things separate and also a different issue the whole reason government adopted marriage and like started regulating marriage was actually based in racial issues they didn't want interracial couples Mm -hmm. to come together and get married Mm -hmm. and so like this was a the whole Gosh, reason that we're even you're saying you're saying that was the beginning of the marriage license correct that's yeah. like why licenses and government regulating the marriages even started was so that they can control who married who well you know when i got married we had to take a blood test really yes we had to take a blood test so we got married in 1981 and that whole issue had to do with your it identified your blood type and whether or not you were um what is it, negative or positive? I can't even think of what it oh, is. Oh, negative? The, the, H- oh, what's HIV? it called? No, no, it's not HIV. But it's, <laughs> oh, it's, like, uh, like, that was the 80s. No. Like, oh. You know, I, I feel really stupid right now, but I just can't remember what it's called. It's your RH factor. Oh, your RH. Your RH factor, RH, whether you're yeah. positive or negative, because certain combinations, when those... When you have children, there can be problems. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that was the purpose of that. I mean, can you imagine today... I, oh, that it's would like be a, so far out of the realm of oh, where we are today. Yeah. So yes, no, we had blood tests. Wow. That's the way it was. But and yeah, that was I'm, in California too. <laughs> yeah. I am of the mind and I know this kind of speaks negatively, I think to a lot of people um, in my camp that work for church and like do a lot of stuff in the religious realm, but there should, I think be complete separation of all things um, church and state. Like I, I wouldn't necessarily be against getting rid of like tax breaks for, for religious nonprofits. And like, there's all different kinds of things that come along with it that I'd be like, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Well, I disagree with that only in the sense that there's a, I would say the majority of nonprofits are not religious. Right. So they get welfare exemptions, which again, if it's for the greater good Mm -hmm. then, and I would think most religious um, nonprofits do that. Um, they should also get them, even if it's not a religious exemption, it's a welfare exemption. So um, generally nonprofit just means that. Right. It's, you're not personally profiting from it. 
it's see what I would, what I would think would be a, maybe a, and then now we're getting into the tax systems, but we're churches are still selling a product and they're getting rev they're they're having a pastor who's getting up and they're well but here's here uh, here's the distinction though uh because nonprofits can still sell a product mm-hmm. and they can still generate revenue from it mm-hmm. the distinction is is that in a nonprofit the the benefit cannot inure to any one person exactly. or group that's and, right. and so uh, I would say that uh, it, even if we removed the religious clause in tax law for nonprofits, mm-hmm. most churches are still going to qualify Absolutely. as, as, uh, charities. It, it's mm-hmm. well, as, again, I use the term welfare exemption cause that's the way the property tax law is written. Right. So you have your religious exemption and your welfare exemptions and probably with regard to other types of taxes, it's similar and that's why I was using that tem- terminology as a mm-hmm. welfare exemption. And in and in five hundred one c three terms, um, most churches would still qualify as a charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right. so I, I'm fine with removing. I agree with you. I'm fine with removing religious, uh, like religious. Uh, classifications from tax exemption because it's not going to really change anything for them for the majority of churches. There could be some exceptions to that, but I really don't think it's going to change much of anything. They would qualify under these other methods, like I was saying. And yeah, yeah, because I know like for us, (laughs) I mean, we, it really didn't even matter how we coded it. You know what I mean? Cause it's the same effect. Yeah. You know, basically when, when we would audit for those type of institutions, you couldn't have a gross profit of more than 10%. So you couldn't, you know, the whole intent was that, that there was goodwill here, what whatever your nonprofit is. And so, I mean, it's basically providing a service or product in which there is no personal benefit yeah. to mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So. so I guess the big question then is, uh, so Scott, you said you think there should be absolute, that to use Jefferson's words, a yeah. wall of separation between church and state. Yeah. I would be fine. I, with, I mean, it's, it's do it for everyone or do it for no one is, is right. where I stand. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think that that was certainly the heart and intent of the founding fathers is that it, we have to have equal rights mm-hmm. for everyone. And I think where sometimes it gets sticky is um, maybe new religions that pop up. What, what, what mm-hmm. qualifies something as a religion? How would we go about adopting some kind of new religion into those things? And then the other part is regulating parts of religion that may be against other parts of the law. That's that's kind of where so I like wanted to go. There are mm-hmm. religions that say like do sacrifices, right? The Sharia or, law. Um, and then there's more extreme religions mm-hmm. out there too, uh, mm-hmm. in more of like our history of like human sacrifice and that kind of stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of that's really practiced today in any major nation. Um, but we would have to have a way of like, where does that church and state separate? Again, I think that it is, it has to do with the, the purpose of separation of church and state. Once again, is that, uh, is that the, the, the writer's thought was that, the practice of religion is between you and God. Anytime you're, uh, and, and the, the heart of the entire constitution is that anytime your, uh, expression, uh, impedes on my rights, anytime you come into my rights Mm -hmm. now, that's a, that's a violation of the, 
that's a violation of the the law. And when I say law, I'm speaking of the the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It's a violation of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't impede on my rights, then you get to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, who's the my? I mean, just. A me, person, per, any, 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 any other, other person, person. any other person. Yeah. I just any, want to make sure yeah. I'm clear because when I think about the whole issue of the Sharia law and how that has become a bigger, it's becoming a bigger issue in the U S where, you know, women are treated differently and they have a very different role in the families and the husbands have certain rights to kill in their family. And it's like, where does that, supersede like how, how does that intersect with the constitution and frankly i'm going to say i'm very ignorant in this area i don't know a lot about it but i know this is becoming a bigger issue yeah i don't i don't think that i i want to be personally i don't think that uh the United States is in, in in any danger of falling under Sharia law. Well, I'm not saying that, that they do, but I'm saying it's still an issue for people living in America. And again, I'm just saying where where does it intersect? Yeah, you know? it, it, the I mean the old the old uh, like adage is that uh, your rights end where my nose begins, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can swing your fist in the air as much as you want until it comes in contact with my nose because I'm another person who has my own set of uh, rights. Mm-hmm. You have all of your rights. I have all of my rights. Neither of our rights, according to the founding fathers, supersede neither of our other. rights supersede each other's. And so, uh, you, yeah, your rights end where my nose begins. And I, so any human in America, the constitution would say is deserving of the exact same rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd just be curious to, um, like, I've only read some articles on these things. I'd have to go back and read the actual court cases to kind of understand, like, what the positions were and and really what the outcome was. I mean, I think generally speaking, you know, murder is murder is murder. I can can tell you without reading anything with a great deal of confidence that the United States government has never upheld murder. No. And, and I agree with that. And I'm not saying that that has happened, yeah. but I'm saying we're talking about the separation of church and state and, and that is a religion. And I, I would guess that their perspective is that that it's my religious right to do this. It, you know, if it's a violation of my religion. And so that's why I'm bringing it up because, you know, maybe we haven't at this point, but, you know, it'd be interesting to see, like, have there been any cases where, you know, not murder, but... I would guess the United States' uh, stance on that is that civil rights or just its laws supersede yeah, religious I would think laws. So. I would think so. Well, and, and the framers of the Constitution, and I want to be clear, I'm a very strict constitutionalist, and I'm a constitutional nut job. I love it. Uh, <laughs> well, he's a nut job, all right. Yeah. Um, but even the founding <laughs> fathers, you, thank you, even the founding fathers believed ardently that the Constitution was a living document. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in uh, maybe some recent years, there have been a lot of people that would be more in my camp of, of, of strict constitutionalists that, that really treat the constitution like a set in stone document. And it's not, 
the mm-hmm. founding fathers believed that there would be new circumstances that would arise that would require mm-hmm. uh, laws to be changed, laws to be new laws to be erected, and laws. That's to why be we struck have down. amendments. Mm-hmm. That's why we have amendments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, I'm not. I would not say that the separation of church and state, as we're talking about it, is uh, immutable. Um, certainly to your point, Bobby, mm-hmm. there could be something that would arise mm-hmm. that would cause us to need to be more yeah. narrow. I yeah. don't think that that's come up yet because I, I think I that... I don't think so either. I'm just curious. Yeah. You well, know what will? It will eventually come up. Sure. So, it's yeah. kind of in the nature of America too to not specify until it's needed. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Absolutely. Is that let's leave it... Uh, and, and, and I would say that that is the... Uh, that is the resting pulse of all law mm-hmm. is that you don't want to be specific unless you need to. I want to go back and touch upon, uh, you know, the topic that you brought up about um, uh, the rights of LBGTP. Okay. Easy for me to say. LGBTQ. L- <laughs> yes. Thank you. Sorry. Um, to get married in California. And ultimately um, once it went to um, the higher courts and everything and, you know, it was determined to be unconstitutional to not allow that. And and it became law, you know, then it's a completely different story. And again, I was still over this area when all of that came to be. Mm -hmm. And I really struggled. I'll be honest with you as a Christian, I really struggle in the very beginning because again, we're a, um, a sum of our past. Right. And, 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 you know, to me, the way I understood it was marriage was between one man and one woman, and that's it. No exceptions. And um, so I think it, that's true as marriage defined in scripture. Exactly. But well, that's not the marriage we're talking about. Well, I know, but let yeah. me let me go on. And so I I really struggled with the thought of being responsible for this area. And actually, one of the things that we did in our office at, at in the beginning, because we had employees that said. I refused to, they were Christians and they refused to marry a gay couple. Right. And we allowed that in the beginning. We had a list of people that, you know, that chose wrote a statement to not do it. that chose to not do it. And we allowed it because we had plenty of other people to be able to perform the marriages. Sure. And the vast majority of people still did it and they didn't have an issue with it. Um, so just moving forward, I, I really just spent a lot of time in prayer and a lot of just, I'm thinking about that whole aspect. And I thought, render to center, re, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And I thought long and hard about it. And that it kind of gets back to what you were talking about, like the term marriage. When I thought about um, people getting married, to me, if you're not getting married before the Lord, then to me, it's not really a marriage per se. It's not a marriage in, in, in how you define marriage and how I define marriage. So we can, and and it's not even just the word, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's kind of like what we, what we know it to be. Right. And it's kind of like the word love. Like we have different. Yes. Like we love pizza levels of what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Like loving, you know, so, so again, over time, I just kind of like got over myself and said, yeah, this is, this is a a secular union. Mm -hmm. This is a civil marriage union what's the issue you know and so but it took me a while to get there well and your verbiage is probably different you know 
when you're marrying a, a, a Christian couple within a church, you're talking a lot about God. You're talking mm-hmm. about how this is a union, not just mm-hmm. between them, but between him. Right. All these things. If I was performing a marriage ceremony for a LBG, L, LBGTQ couple. Right. I wouldn't talk about God at all. Right. I would talk right. about how it was the power of the state and how like right. their love came together, whatever right. it is. Right. But it would be a very different ceremony for well, me. Well, so in California, when you marry, there's certain language that has to be used right. in order for it to be considered a valid marriage. And, yeah. and you're attesting and witnessing to that. But beyond that, you can interject or add anything additional. So somebody wanted to have God invoked in that, even though it's a secular marriage union yeah. through the county courts or the county, I should say, they can do that. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, there's just like a... Mm-hmm. A general, yeah, uh, it's like a couple of paragraph generic on narrative, a, yeah, yeah, on a yeah, yeah. So I guess my bottom line is on that is like for me, I only ever married two couples, and that was because I was requested to marry them, mm. and I I take marriage seriously, yeah, and so I. I don't know why, like my former boss used to call it the happy place because people were coming to get married, but I always took it so seriously. Like I would not want to be the administrator here because. I took it seriously and it's like, it it didn't have anything to do with whether they were heterosexual or homosexual, whatever. It just didn't matter. I mean, I took it seriously on both sides, Yeah, you know, or on on all accounts. So it's like, anyway. Yeah. So I guess this is a good segue into uh, sort of our landing point that I'd love for us to kind of talk about is that what, uh, understanding the separation of church and state as we've talked through it, what do you feel our responsibility is uh, when it comes to uh, the voting booth in regards to some of these issues like Proposition 8? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, you have to realize that you're voting for something that isn't a religious institution. Right. You know, uh, if a church, a vote at a church over a piece of doctrine is very different than a vote for a, uh, a state elected official or some kind of a policy for, for the government. And so why, uh, well, you're, you're voting on different things. You're voting on governing a people group versus governing a belief system. Well, I think if I might nuance that a little bit. I agree with you, but I maybe agree even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you agree more than I do. I agree more than <laughs> you do with what you explanation. said. Uh, <laughs> in either sense, you are voting over the governance of a people group. But in those two examples, each people group have come to the table with a certain social contract. And in each case, it's a very different social contract. In the example of a church, that church body is coming together and they're going to vote on, you know, a piece of doctrine. They're all coming to, to that table with a social contract of the supreme uh, uh, governance is God and is scripture. Mm-hmm. When you're voting, you're coming to a place as an American where the social contract is that the supreme law of the land is the constitution of the United States Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that you need to vote in such a way that you believe uh, supports or defends the constitution of the United States, just in as much as when you're voting 
on a piece of doctrine in a church, you you need to come to that voting voting on uh, what is in support of the scriptures. Yeah, I would agree with you for the most part. I think the only difference there, um, which is more nuanced, is that uh, as a Christian, you believe the word of God is infallible and perfect. And, um, and so you're always submitting to that. I think there are times, uh, in governance and the United States where it's like, oh, this part of the constitution or this omittance from the constitution isn't good. We need to add something or change something. I would say that's true in as much as we are voting for an amendment to the constitution. I, yeah, in the, I'm not saying change a constitution. I would say do it through an amendment for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but what I'm saying is that until unless we're talking about an amendment to the constitution, everything in America should roll up to the constitution. Oh, for sure. So so this is where I find it kind of challenging. And I mean, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. Um, you have to know what you're voting for and yeah. under the context of what you're voting. Right. So if we're at the voting booth in November, the second Tuesday in November, right? Right. We need to know what we're voting for is not within the church. Right. It's within the Constitution and the United States. Yeah. But it works both ways because I think the government tries to come into the, the, the church, you know, and I think that was one of the concerns you brought this up earlier. I think there was a real concern from pastors that they were going to be forced to marry, you know, gay people that was against their religious beliefs. And so sometimes I think when it comes to the the religious nature, when I think about like the case of the uh, gay couple that went into, and it's happened multiple times into the bakery to have their cake made, right? And I've seen kind of the outcomes go both ways. Um, you know, so where, like, why doesn't a private business owner have the right to refuse service to anyone? Well, the difference is, uh, I just want to say the difference is, is that we're talking about, because I, I remember that being a thing, but the reality is, is that based on, based on the constitution, uh, churches were not in any danger of that. No, but that because, because religious, religious protections exist there because this is a church a private business is not a religious organization. What if it's a Christian bakery? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I well, know. Well, it would I have mean, to be. If, was, if, if, it was, if it was a nonprofit If it was bakery, a nonprofit Christian bakery, would be fine. yeah, they yeah, would okay. be fine. They would okay. be protected. I, and I mean this, I'm not trying to be facetious. I know you're I'm not, really just no. trying to understand. No, no, no. Like yeah. where, you know, I just, I guess what I'm saying is like in the case of that with the bakery, I mean, why would I not want to sell? I mean, this isn't even, it's a no brainer to I, me. Uh, yeah. You're yeah. going to sell the cake. Espe- yeah. Especially period. as a believer, it's, like <laughs> get their money and tithe on it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or donate you know? all the money, yeah, you know, like, like you I know mean, what I, I mean? I think sometimes people's convictions are just, I don't know. It's kind of interesting how they, what their take is on oh, it. Totally. But I guess my point is, I agree with what you were saying, but it just works both ways. We yeah. don't want the government to come into the church yeah. as we as the church have to remember to separate yeah. the church from the government. Yeah, exactly. And that's really hard to do, especially for those of us older folks. When you, when you, um, when I look at like your age group, the, the, the Gen Xers, um, the Gen Zers, millennials, yeah. right. 
not the Gen Xers. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we don't care about Gen Wait, Xers on this podcast. You <laughs> we don't care about I'm people. I'm losing. See, I told you I'm old. Um, you know, it's harder for us to do that because our life experience is so different from when we were younger because, you know, we had less of that. And and I'll look at my parents' generation and they even had less of it, you know, with right. that, with that, that separation because... Um, there were, you know, there was so such an intersection there, but, you know, I believe that also over the couple hundred years that the U S has been here, our makeup is different. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, generally speaking, we came from Europe, right. And, um, you know, now we have, I don't even know what the numbers are generally speaking, but I would say, you know, probably over 90% of the people back in the day were in, you know, when we first formed were from that descent and now it's just so different. Yeah. You know, our makeup from all over the world. We're and more so of a, a truly a melting pot. We really are. And we have so many different religions that were unheard of yeah. back then. So, you know, we have to be mindful of that. And again, I think that's where the issue is, is that where does that intersect? So where do they intersect? And what rules? And as I think, as mm-hmm. you said before, the Constitution rules, because that's what we're talking about. Again, that's the context yeah. of um, dealing with the laws of the United States. Yeah. When we're talking about the United States, the, the social contract is is the Constitution. And if the Constitution right. needs to be changed, then it should. It is. And it shouldn't be done by executive order. It right. needs to be done through the Definitely. legislators. By the people. By yeah. the people voting. Yeah. That's how you do it. Yeah. So people get out and vote. Well, and that's what, uh, uh, you know, Jefferson, uh, we were talking about him earlier. One of the things that he's, you know, famously, you know, described as saying is that, uh, you know, he expected, uh, you know, that the government be overthrown every several years. And the way that we do that is... By an election. By an election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that's it. That's what Every we're doing. Every four years. Every we four years. Things. We overthrow the government and erect a new one in its place. Every four years. Effectively, we do. And and what a uh, what a responsibility we have to each other as Americans uh, mm-hmm. to to put our our thinking caps on and to vote in the best interests of America as defined by. The Constitution. And can we, you know, seriously, since we're talking about this, can we please do it civilly? And if you Mm. don't agree with who was elected, be kind. Let's go back to our last podcast. Um, Or be quiet. I want to say be kind or be quiet because (laughs) it's like so many people. I mean, we can't forget the good part, though. Like if they're doing wrong things, we need to stand for justice, too. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. But we can still do it in a respectful manner. There is so much disrespect today. It's like people don't care. They just say whatever they want to say and without consideration of others. And it's just so disheartening some days. You know, it's like everybody just wants to be heard. It's like what you were saying earlier, I think in the other podcast, it's like, you know, it's, they're not really listening. You know, they're, they're just, they're just talking and, you know, trying to bring other people along without regard to even you know, what the other person is thinking. They're making assumptions. Well, I will say, I want to tell one, one brief story, but it sounds like we're, we're sort of wrapping up mm-hmm. um, to that point. Uh, you know, several weeks ago uh, in Riverside, where, you know, we're in Riverside County here, uh, in the city of Riverside, there was a protest 
um, in response to the George, George Floyd murder. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone had posted on Instagram a picture of a sign and they'd captioned in the Instagram post, uh, don't for, don't think we forgot about your homophobic ass, Chad Bianco. And, mm. you know, I came across this and it's social media and my dad's an elected official. And so, you know, he's sort of asked to be in the public space and, and I get all that, but it, and I should have ignored it, but I didn't, I was like, this just really hurt me. And I commented mm-hmm. on it and said, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like you're, mm-hmm. uh, and, and she didn't really understand my, my point at first. And we went back and forth in comments for a little bit and then, you know, she understood that, that this was my dad that she was talking about Mm -hmm. and she took down the post and she sent me a message privately and said, I'm so sorry. You're right. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I just saw this and yeah. yeah. And, um, and I thought I was like, oh my gosh, score one for democracy, score one for civil discourse where, you know, uh, you're right in that so many people are just screaming without really listening and they're screaming about things that maybe they're not as educated on as they ought to be. But also we have the opportunity to approach all people, uh, from a very measured place and to be able to, uh, regardless of what side of the discourse we're on, we have the opportunity. And I think the responsibility to bring a level head to the conversation. Totally. And, and we all have an opportunity again, no matter what side of the discourse that we're on to deescalate things. Mm -hmm. Because I think we often, when someone approaches us escalated, we have a tendency as humans to match and want to one up that and, and to escalate the situation. But as Christians, we have the opportunity and the responsibility um, to be a good example and to deescalate the situation and, uh, and I think that that goes back to kindness and goodness. I think it does. And I, I just think that we really need to be thinking that this is a two-way street. So when we're in the voting booth for the United States of America, keep in mind that we don't want the government in our Christianity as well. And I think, I mean, I, I've, I've really changed my perspective a lot over the past 10 years on that. Yeah. Where, you know... I wanted the government to legislate morality and you yeah. really can't, yeah. you know, that comes through the church. Yeah. And, um, but I don't want the government in the church either. Right. 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 Because I don't want the government telling the church what it should and shouldn't do. Absolutely. And so we have to be mindful of that. And that's kind of where I go. Um, when I'm, you know, thinking about this whole aspect of the separation, that it's a good thing Yeah. because we, we really don't want to interfere with either. Yeah. They each have their place. They each have their place. And we need to make sure we understand the context of the conversation and the issue. Yeah. Man, what a great episode. And here you here we thought that this was gonna be a Yeah, I want can we talk about a controversy topic <laughs> now? Come on, we we're gonna have to put some on the docket for the future. <laughs> well, we understand that this, uh, regardless of the fact that we might have all agreed with each other, that this might have been controversial for you <laughs> listening. And so feel free to share yeah. your perspective with us. Uh, you can do that by shooting us an email at hello at realworldpodcast.com uh, or by shooting us a tweet at the real world pod um, and uh, you know, speak out. Uh, don't cancel us. You know, I mean, you know, let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening and Scott and Bobby, thank you so much for being here and talking about this with me. Thank you for thank hosting. You. All right. Love you guys. Love you Bye. too. <laughs>